This is Penned In, the podcast for all things bookish. My name is Anna Kate Meadler, and I'm here to help you find your next read. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 24 of Penned In. This week, I interviewed fantasy mythical creators Molly Likovich and Marcia Ruiz about co-writing, life, and more. Without further ado, let's get into it. How did you two meet and why did you decide to become co-authors? We met, I guess, like three years ago. We've been mutuals on like Instagram for a few years. I made YouTube content and Mar would watch and interact. And then we, in like 2019, this book called The Starless Sea came out and we both were like huge fans of it. And I was posting about it all the time. And so Mar one day sent me this pin for the starless sea and it just showed up and I was like oh my god and then in 2020 I started a virtual theater troupe that was originally called theater but better and we just today renamed it the bard coven and I was posting like oh who wants to be in this show we're gonna do on zoom don't need acting experience and our message me was like I'd like to be in it then we just hung out more and more and then I last March I messaged Mar because I'd read lots of poetry books where there's little doodles in them and I'd seen Mar's artwork forever and it, it was I was obsessed with it Mar would give me illustrations for holidays and stuff and I said do you want to write something where we pair my poetry with your artwork and Mar was like yeah and yeah, that's what we decided to do. What is your guys' process for co-writing a book together? Oh man, chaos. Um, <laughs> chaos, absolute chaos. <laughs> no, it's just, I guess we had a conversation of what we wanted from this book, what vibes or sensations we wanted to give of, with my artwork and with Molly's poetry. And Yeah, we made it like a list of stuff that we both enjoyed. We have also like a lot of discussions at the beginning of choral fantasy and what it meant for people like us or like neurodivergent people, like just escaping into another world. And also what it meant to be a woman in a choral fantasy, because usually we see that they always come back. And until recently, a few men have been able to like stay in those stories, right? Stay in the world that they feel like they belong to instead of being like no I need to face the world and their responsibilities and grow up so yeah we were like questioning ourselves what what would happen if the main character decided just to stay in this other world and not come back to the real one when we set out to make the first book not a myth which is the portal fantasy themed one we went through artwork and poetry we already had and we're like oh what matches up because this was like the genre that we created in the most i would say like a third of the book was stuff we already had that we were like oh we can match these and then when we went out to make our second book the willow silence which is all gothic fiction themed neither of us had really even though we love reading gothic fiction we had never created in that genre really before 
And it was a struggle because we kept reverting back to Portal Fantasy. So that one, we made everything from scratch. And we've talked to people before who seem to think, I write a poem and Mar makes a picture that matches. Or Mar makes a picture and I make a poem that matches. And that's not what we do. It's like we discuss, like Mar said, we'll make a list of vibes. Then we just kind of discuss it. And if one of us has an idea, we're like, oh, I just had an idea for a poem with this line. Or Mar will be like, I had an idea for a picture with this. So like one day we were discussing, we wanted to make a piece that was inspired by the song, The Unwanted Animal by The Amazing Devil, which is one of our favorite bands. And we discussed like what kind of tone we wanted that to be. We'll be on Zoom and we have all these shared Google Docs and a Discord server and we'll be sending stuff back and forth. And there's a lyric in the song that was my hollow Harlofrenes and we had no idea who Harlofrenes was. So we started looking that up and then we learned this whole old biblical story. And so then we're figuring out how to incorporate that in. And it's very much like we meld it together and we come up, our books, even though they're like poetry and art, have a fictional narrative going on which is why we make a big point of saying it's co-authored. It's not, oh, it's by me and illustrated by Mar, because it's very much a story that we're coming up with together. And then once we have the pieces, then we sit down and try to figure out what order it needs to go in, like what's telling the arc. And then we'll be on Zoom. We each have like different playlists going, like, several different things. And like some nights we're like really on it. We're like, yes, this, this, this. Oh God, the inspiration. And then some nights we're like, I don't remember how to make anything. Who's written a book? Not me. We'll be sending each other voice notes all day. Like, oh, I just had an idea about this. And it's collaborative. It's not one person makes something and the other one makes something to match it. It's very much like goes together. We're very much of the same mind in most things. There's very few things that one of us likes and the other one doesn't. We are so in sync that last year I watched the 1992 Dracula and 10 minutes into the movie, I text her like, you're going to want to watch this. And so she puts it on. And then later that night, like sends me a link to a six hour playlist. And we both are neurodivergent. We both have ADHD. So like the second one of us is into something and we get the other one into it. We're like, let me make that my personality for roughly a few months. And that helps when we're writing the book because we're like, oh, how do we fit this hyperfixation into the book? We're always able to, even like you'd think we wouldn't be able to get certain things to make sense. Like there's an illustration in The Will of Silence that's based off a Barbie movie. And you would think, how did we get that into a gothic story? But like the way we discuss things and weave in different stories that we really like is, it's it just works because we just have such similar mindsets like I know we've both tried working with other people before a lot of clashing and there's not really any compromising or seeing eye to eye and we have a very similar chaotic ADHD fueled process on how to get <laughs> stories done no I realize Marcy I believe you're an hour behind does that affect scheduling at all with you two meeting or does it really not make much of a difference not really sometimes when I have classes and stuff like that I, I will have to be like yeah I know I have this but yeah. For the most part, it's okay. We make it work and we always communicate like we have this like event or this stuff or yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it's just like yesterday I was in a lot of pain and I was like, hey, can we yeah, just reschedule? We both, we both um, have chronic pain disabilities um, and we're, we have an age difference of five years. So Mars still in college and we both work for ourselves. We both work from home and we're both night owls. So that helps because there's times where Mara will be like, can we do my 10? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. 
there's like a small part of the year where it's two hours because Mexico doesn't do daylight saving, which makes sense. But for the most part, it's almost always just an hour. So it's not, it's not too bad. You know, like I, for a while, my sister lived in LA, which was three hours earlier and that made things a real pain. I do think it's funny. We listen to Taylor Swift albums when they drop. And the other night when the Florence and Machine album was coming out, Florence was like releasing it, not just most things just release at midnight EST, but for some reason, Florence was doing it by region. And I was in the car coming back from Philly and Mars texted me like, Florence is releasing this by region and I want it to be out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, we don't have a, it's not a huge issue because it's just one to two hours. It's not anything too bad. And I stay up. Yeah, and I've had worse time differences, 12 hours. So I know how to yeah. work this to be- out. Yeah, Mars, because she studied abroad in Scotland in high school, right? No, I studied abroad in New York for a year. And then I studied in Edinburgh for a semester. And we have friends that are in Louisiana and Arizona through our theater troupe. So this is definitely, honestly, the simplest (laughs) difference that we've had. It's not Mm -hmm. too bad. What were you studying in Edinburgh? Oh, I was studying creative writing, and I also just took classes on Celtic studies and Gaelic and stuff like that, yeah. And then I believe, Molly, you also have a creative writing degree. Yes. What would you to say are, like, the most crucial lesson you've learned from studying creative writing? Do you want to go first, Mara? No, you go. <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay, So I went to Salisbury University in Maryland and I switched my major twice because I had convinced myself I wasn't like good enough to do that. And so I was like a communications major and then I was just general English. And then my mom was like, if you want to be a writer, just be a writer. So I switched to creative writing. I had intended for the concentration in creative writing to be in short story. And then I ended up doing poetry because I also that was another thing I convinced myself like, oh, like poetry is so complicated. I could never learn to do it. I would say like one of the things I've learned from creative writing is you can't, a lot of people that were in my cohort kind of stopped trying to learn anything new after we graduated. And they even within it weren't, they were like, I have my style and I'm not changing how I do anything. And there was one girl in my class who had decided that she was E. Cummings and was never going to have capital letters in her poems. And there's plenty of times when you're writing a poem, you don't use capital letters if you have a reason. There's times in poems in our book, The Willow Silence, where I was making a commentary about the oppression of some historically in the Catholic church. And, you know, like it's seen as the norm to capitalize the G in God. So there's times in poems where I've left everything lowercase except the letter Y in the word you or something like that, or I've only left God lowercase. But it was like, you needed to be open to seeing other ways you could do things. And one thing our professor had us do is he would always assign one book a year. We'd have three to five poetry books we'd be going through. And there would be two he thought were excellent, one he thought was mediocre, and one he thought was really bad. And he wouldn't tell you which ones he thought were which. And I remember the first time that we were like, I just kind of think this book is bad. He'd be like, it is, right? It's terrible. And he'd be like, why is it bad? And that would be something we were trying to figure out. Or there'd be times like, well, how would I do this story differently? Because like Mar and I love the Dracula adaptation, but we're not huge fans of the book because there's things the adaptation chose to, to do that made it, we think, more interesting. And so then after I graduated, I still am always trying to learn different 
ways of storytelling. I literally have like a poetic forms book that I keep on my desk and I'm always trying to study new forms. And we do so much research to write the books. Like we're not just pulling everything out of thin air. There was one night that we spent four or five hours researching this ancient religion we discovered on accident. So I'd say in creative writing is just, I've learned that to always try to be learning more stuff, not just writing what you know. One of my classes I had to take was called Poetry of the Other. And the point of the whole class was to write experiences that weren't yours and to learn how to do that, which I thought was really interesting, especially because there's a dialogue a lot now, just on book talk and booktube and book Twitter, that this seems to be this weird idea that if you didn't personally experience this thing, never write about it. And while I think that applies in like some cases, if you want to write about historical figures or things that happened in other countries or different, you know, like Mara and I were not part of this ancient religion that we were researching called the Cathars, but we were like, this is so fascinating. Let's look more into it. And I would also just say always reading. There was lots of people in my major who were like, oh, I never have time to read. And I've spoken to other authors now who are like, oh, I never, I don't really have time to like read for fun. And I'm like, that would be like if an actor was like, I don't watch movies. I don't have time. That was such a long-winded answer. Mara, what's your answer? <laughs> no, don't worry. Okay, so <laughs> I have multiple points. One of them is be open to like the possibilities of creation and someone else's point of view. Because like, yeah, you won't agree with everything like the other person creates or with certain like techniques or whatever, but it's better to experiment or to read or to give it a chance and learn how to work with that than just being like no that it's just I don't like this style or I don't like this thing so I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to close off myself because I feel like in being an artist or being a writer or, or whatever you need to feed constantly like feed the soul and feed the mind with like so many different things like music and books and all of that in order to get more tools and also to know what you prefer to write and what you prefer to create in my creative writing course it was just try so many different scenarios and experiments and like even media like we will mix up photography with the text and the illustrations and even other languages I'm a huge fan of like just working in like other types of words from Spanish English Gaelic or Japanese or stuff like that into a text or something like or symbols and if you just close off to the experience what are you gonna give to the world what are you gonna do different like just if you're not allowing yourself to be and to experiment what would you two say is the hardest part of the writing process for you there's different ones depending on the day sometimes because you know like all kinds of neurodivergencies are on a spectrum and we're pretty both far on the extreme ADHD spectrum so there's just some days where we can't focus we're like we're just out of it there's some days where our physical disabilities make it hard like there's definitely been nights where we're like oh let's get on and write and then we'll be on for 20 minutes and one of us is like I need to go to bed this is not happening and so those are technical issues and then I'd say sometimes other issues is just like there's just days where we felt stuck where we weren't figuring out what we wanted to do like there was a night we just started watching gothic movies because we just were not feeling the vibe and I'd say that's the number one thing is not being able to connect with what you've chosen to do there's just going to be days you don't feel connected but one thing I've learned from Mars that makes it better is Mars very much about immersion and romanticizing the experience so if we're going to do something like we're going to do it we make playlists and we make Pinterest boards and we'll just be reading and dressing so I'd say that's really hard is when we're not feeling connected and there were definitely nights with our second book where we were like I don't know what I'm doing 
And I think yeah, sometimes um, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes we'll marry to a specific idea, yeah. especially with the second book that it was like, okay, we're going to make this house and it's going to be based off these books that we love because we want to honor them and all of that. But it was suffocating us because it was just like, okay, how do I do this? So it fits perfectly the, the concept of Frankenstein or it was like, instead of being our own haunted house, it was us trying just to emulate what was already out there. And instead of like making us feel inspired, it was, okay, I feel suffocated. I feel trapped. I don't know where to go. Like I made a million of little drafts and I don't like any of them and I don't like any of the ideas. And I think we found ourselves in the best moments in at least in that little period of time that we didn't know where to go. That it was like, okay, when we were researching the Cathar prophecy or we were researching names for our house and stuff like that, it was depending on what we wanted and what we feel was right instead of what something else was telling us to do. What advice would you give to aspiring authors? Oh, goodness. I would say don't be afraid to market yourself. Is The first book, Mar and I were kind of like, okay, we can only ask people who have the same amount of followers as us to read the book or talk about the book because we're not important enough to ask other people. And then just in like the past month with The Will of Silence, we're like, no, just shamelessly talk about it and send links to people and ask people to read it and care about it. So just don't be afraid to just be so proud of what you made because we spent almost a year making the second book. And we were like, we made this great book we think it's excellent we worked really hard on it so let's just put it out there I know like especially indie authors you're your own marketing team and people I've seen lots of other indie authors talk about they hate the marketing aspect of things but you know just genuinely be so jazzed about your book be like I made this thing and it's good and let's go And then the other thing I'd say is just everyone always is like, write the story that you want to read. But for real, don't be afraid to be like, oh, this is so weird. It's too weird. Because that was something when I was younger. So I'd be like, I've made this too weird and melodramatic. But then you sit back and you think the show Riverdale is still on the air. So you, what you made isn't too weird. And because again, that was something with the, with the second book is we were like, we're getting too niche and weird with this, but it's like, I love when I find weird niche stuff. And you think about when you really step back, how many weird things are so popular, like Tim Burton movies are popular. One of our favorite authors is Neil Gaiman and his books get so freaking weird. And Neil Gaiman, I saw him speak recently and he said, write something so brilliant that people can't help but write it. And it was just, I love that he just said that. He wasn't, he was just like, write from your heart, write something so brilliant, people can't help but love it. And so that's the thing is like, if you are really passionate about what you're writing, then like there's going to be people who feel the same way. Yeah, allow yourself also to commit mistakes or to grow because I think so many people want to write the perfect sentence right away or every single part of their book needs to be amazing and the best prose and whatever and it also like that can become stifling even reading books like that because I've had the experience like oh this is too poetic but it means nothing or it's tedious or the great lines are lost among all of this mess and also that applies to drawing and all of that just no one is going to give to the world what you can. No one. Doesn't matter if at the beginning you feel like, oh, my technique is not great or I could be better at this or there are so many other people that are doing great stuff. Don't compare yourself to them. Use them as inspiration. You can be like, oh, well, because that person is so great, I can't do it. Or like, oh, I'm ashamed of this work. No, just 
go and try and keep practicing. It's not talent. You just practice and discover also the stuff that you want because there are different styles in so many other things that it's like, okay, this one looks like maybe too perfect or too realistic. That's not what you want or that's not how you want to express yourself. And if you don't give yourself the chance to discover that, then you just feel like stuck. And yeah, the other thing was don't try to be palatable to the rest embrace the chaotic energy of YA in the 2010s try to give something new or else we don't get anything new we don't get anything good we don't get anything like can be remembered yeah. well I hate to end this but the zoom meeting is going to close soon because I do not have the upgraded version but thank you guys so much for coming on for having no, us. thank you for having us yeah. it was then- great Want to learn more? You can find their website linked in the description below, along with a link to pre-order their most recent work, a sapphic retelling of Alice in Wonderland, called The Fable of Wonderland. And that's it for this week! As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and make sure to subscribe on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. (laughs) 